Welcome to the Share Chair Podcast, where we tell each other stories and learn from listening. Celine, welcome to the Share Chair Podcast. Let's go. <laughs> Great to be here. Okay, so so you just shared an example of how they're really engaged and they're choosing. Um, and I think what I so so I've had a maybe a unique experience because my research has been so specific. And I've been going into math classrooms in every possible setting. So I'm looking at the same activity happening in lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of different places. And I'm seeing patterns. Some of the patterns I'm seeing are really positive, and some of the patterns really aren't positive. So... um, The teacher makes the difference. The teacher makes the difference. Yes, no. well, um, the no. pat. well, I just finished writing yeah. or working on this article, one pattern, um, and I'm also thinking about language, and trying to learn Dutch at the same time, which is damn hard to do. I have total empathy for my language learners now, like I have never had before, for my learners in general. As yeah. soon as you start to explain something that has very many prepositions in it, forget it. Under, over, beside, between. In Nar Dutch, by. I have, I have <laughs> no, no idea. Off, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. So now, for, 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 yeah. Yeah. For, for. <laughs> yeah. So now, imagine yourself, and this will be easy for you, David, mm-hmm. and you, and you can imagine it. Imagine yourself trying to explain to someone who does not understand how to solve a multi-step algebra problem. <laughs> How many prepositions will you need? Probably a whole lot. Yeah. Or or um, or procedural understanding of the long division algorithm. Here, honey, put your finger over the two numbers on the right because they don't matter. You don't care about those yet. Now you take this number and divide it into this one, into. Then you put your answer on top. And then below, you put this other number, and then you subtract. Now move your hand. Now move that one down. That's so linguistically complicated to listen to. And so the pattern I wrote about today was the classrooms where the instruction is like that. So the teacher's describing a procedure. Mm. And the kids are supposed to follow it and then do it. Cell phones out. Makeup getting put on. I mean, kids are finding all kinds of things besides doing the math to do that is not what their teacher wants them to do. And, um, and I've seen that in, at each level in the high school. So that's interesting. So it doesn't even matter how oriented to school the kids are. It doesn't work for them. And they mean they check out. They totally check out. But when teachers are listening... To students, providing models, so a picture, a story, more than one way to think about things. In all of those classrooms, students are talking to each other about the math. They are engaged, no matter what their level is. They're interested and they're learning. So there's there are things that I mean that gives me hope because they're as messed up as the systems are. There are things in classroom practice that really make a difference, and none of these kids are there by choice. Except maybe the highest level kids, I would say. None of them are. And even in the highest level schools, there are kids who want to go to university to be a poet. And they're in math class. And one girl at the gymnasium where they're learning Greek and Latin mm-hmm. who 
who <laughs> looked at me and she's, I said, do you like math? Oh no, I hate it. I don't know my multiplication tables. When I was in elementary school, my teacher told me to just stop trying. <laughs> and she's in the highest level of math and she has to do it in order to be the poet she wants to be. Her, she, had but, a great, she had a great teacher who was supporting her, saying, hey, honey, use your calculator. And then she had all these pictures and different ways to understand the concepts, so yeah. she was fine. Well, and here, this, this is derailing it a little bit into my own interest, but I had a great conversation oh, today with, uh, with, a, um, with the professors at the lunch table. And I asked about grades. Uh -huh. Because all that girl needs uh -huh. is a six out of ten, right. and she's fine. That right. is not a D minus. No. It does not hurt. All you have to do, because she's at that level of school, uh -huh. is pass. Uh huh. Right, and then admission and then to universities is not really contingent. Is not contingent. Whatever. I mean, yeah. more or less, everybody. Yeah, Everybody can find a that. yeah. If you've completed that level of high school, of secondary school, then you're then you're in. And so, like, right. her pressure isn't. How do I turn this into an A? Right. It's or, just like or, how do I or get a, a nine or a ten? Just how do I get a six? And yeah. then, like, but 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 like, there's not much of a ramification of an eight or a seven or a six. No. And actually, at our lunch table today, they're like, yeah, nines, tens. We really just don't give them out. And then. You know, like, well, maybe once in a while. It was just a really right. interesting conversation where, like, so, universities aren't... So this girl will never have an opportunity to be intrinsically motivated in math. Although, I mean, you could argue that, in fact, uh, there's less sort of uh, extrinsic, uh, extrinsic pressure grade-wise on her because right. it doesn't matter to her if she gets an 8 or a 6. Right. So, whereas it would matter to an American student in a similar position who really wanted to go to some great poetry university that they not get a C, that they get a B. And right. that's so going to really be focus matters. up there. Yeah. 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 First of all, like, okay, I, as a bit of introduction, we, Will from Chicago, Jana from, well, Olympia, Washington, Celine from Denver, Colorado, are all in the room, and so, and are all distinguished teachers according to Fulbright, anyway. <laughs> I gave a talk at, uh, as part of this education design class that Jana and I have been participating in, um, and I really had, uh, I was really grateful for the opportunity because I've been wanting to share more about the work that I've been doing in the U.S. for the last yeah. many years. Yeah. So it was a really great opportunity, and I blew it to some extent because I, tried to jam so much into what I was going to do in 45 minutes that I totally ran out of time. And um, and that was obvious to anyone who was in the room. Uh, yeah. You know, sort of, I was yeah. I was rushing very important parts towards the end and then didn't even get to some of the stuff. So, uh, yeah. oh well. Uh, so, Selena, how about you? What did you? How did you even know this program existed? What was your own? I've been trying to remember. I think just a Google search because okay. every, uh, I don't know, don't they say things shift every seven years, right? There's like this cosmic thing, your whole body is reborn and not to get very like, well, that's why cosmic, I, that's why like, I like, talked to Michael Stein. Okay. Same thing. Yeah. So it's like yeah. every seven, I don't know. I uh, Renewal. The, po the point being that like every once in a while I feel really compelled to just change something and, um, and do something different. I think I have kind of, I see 
um, I feel like I exhaust an opportunity and then I'm ready for something new. And so um, I think that's where I was in teaching. And I saw an opportunity because I knew I was going to have this opportunity to start this new school and I saw this window of time. Um, and my stars, my lucky stars aligned and then I was accepted to Fulbright in the perfect time frame that allowed me to transition into this new role as a school designer. Um, so it all yeah. like, worked out really well. well my school um, in Denver, Compass Academy, is a six through eight school. Um, and we received a big grant from the XQ Foundation, which is run by Lorraine Powell Jobs, um, to basically expand. We received a significant amount of funding to expand to be 612. So that means that we have to build out our high school. So our plan for basically 9, 10, 11, 12. Um, and because I have a really significant, significant interest in this idea of pathways and like how, how can we make more, a more meaningful high school experience for kids that is more aligned with who they are and what they actually desire for their post-secondary outcomes, um, I really like had a strong desire to be part of this um, school design team yeah. and to have like a lot of skin in the game about the uh, 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 on the choices that we make about um, what is our scheduling going to look like? What is our um, like curriculum design? What is our pedagogy going to be? Um, what about what, architecture? Do you get uh, a new building, or I'm curious if? Yeah, we there's a Denver in Denver. There's a huge shortage of um, buildings that are that are acceptable for to host <laughs> children. Um, but the last I knew, there's like a church down the road. Or it's a, actually, it's a beautiful old complex and there are a couple of like, there's like a theater group that has space in there. That's the latest news that I've heard, but yeah, it's a whole new building. And so that's another component. But you don't get to design it. It's going to be. Right. It's when an I already. Say design, but, but no, you're saying right. But the, the but you're not building a new building. No. You're going into an already built building. Correct. But so. maybe some sometime down the road in a couple of years, maybe that is a possibility. And, I mean, you know. And, and I. Sorry to derail this. No, entirely. that's okay. I, I think yeah, it's a, it's a really important um, point, and because I actually have been thinking a lot about the use of space, because something that I've been actually really impressed by in my school visits, like actually are the physical spaces that these schools exist within. And I've, I've, there have been a few schools that I've have literally taken my breath away. So for example, I went to this school in, um, in Nord in, of Amsterdam called Hyperion. And it's in the top 10, it was like entered into a competition for the top 10 newest, most innovative green buildings in Amsterdam. And I don't know if it won. They were finding out the results like the next day. But you guys, you walk in and there's, so it's like um, all the classrooms are big open concepts around the periphery. And there's the whole middle of the building is just open space. And there's, guys, a slide from the fourth. Yeah. I'm not kidding. A slide from the fourth floor all the way down. It's like what kids' dreams are made of. Teachers <laughs> were using it. Kids were using it. I was awesome. like, what? Was like, I'm not kidding. There's a slide. Is it, is it, is yeah. it a twist? It's a, it's a twist twisted slide. slide. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sorry. But not only, not only that, like I saw, um, I've, there have been several buildings that I think the way that they use light, they use space, they use, it's like it really breaks away from the, the idea of like a traditional classroom um, and facilitates a lot of collaboration. And like I'm coming from a school that was designed by literally a, a prison architect where you, like, if 
the outside of the building looks like a prison, the inside looks like a prison, it's like flickering lights and closed doors and narrow halls and lockers. Like it's terrible, it's a terrible learning environment. I mean, it, it, I really believe it impacts energetically like how kids feel, how teachers oh, feel. Oh, totally. Um, and how they find so each will, other. Yeah, so Will, to your point, like in the ideal world, could we design a building? And would I have also a lot of opinions about that? Yes. <laughs> but for now, I'll focus on like the actual <laughs> the curriculum and, and ped pedagogical architecture. Um, and yeah. will uh, I mean I think knowing you and hearing you and thinking about your school already, uh, the internship idea that is here in the Netherlands is something you really want to focus on or utilize would, or something. Yeah, I want it to be an option. I like I think the again this idea of this idea of personalized pathways. It should be that like if an internship is appropriate for you when you're 17 or 18, that that should be an option. That that should, not that everybody is forced to be in an internship because maybe a, a kid that like really isn't developmentally appropriate, maybe they're on a really different path and that's okay. But I, they're, what, they're what I desire for my kids. Not ready yet. They're yeah, not ready yet. Yeah, or yeah, they yeah, say yeah. like, hey, I'm really super like university focused and I would rather um, do all of these independent projects for for credit so that I can get college or like concurrent enrollment's more important to me. You know, there are, this is what I mean by individual personalized pathways. But I think that the idea of internships is really an important one to hold because especially, I mean, like you guys know, especially in low-income areas where kids like don't um, necessarily have a lot of interaction with adults outside of their immediate family or outside their school community. Like it could be very, um, it's, it's a deficit to them when it comes to moving out into the world. And so giving them the opportunity, and this is true of all kids, of course. All my, kids, but, my son has articulated that to me at yeah, 22. Yeah, he, he said, he, mom, all your friends were middle class and we didn't hang out with any electricians. You know, yeah, like all your all yeah, your friends were teachers. Yeah. We didn't hang out with any electricians, and I'm like, well, sorry, you didn't have electrician friends. But so he would have benefited from that, yeah. kind of an opportunity. Yeah, because yeah. he didn't see himself as able to do that because he didn't have adults in his life doing that thing. Totally. He had all kinds of adults doing other things, yeah. just not that thing that he was kind of interested in. Yeah. So, and there's opportunity for, within an internship, there's opportunity for mentorship. Like, I, I really think this idea of, of getting feedback from somebody in a professional capacity is really, really, really important for kids. Mm -hmm. um, somebody that's not your teacher, somebody that's not your mom or dad, mm -hmm. to, like, really um, kind of instruct you as to some of your, like, habits of mind, some of your work habits. That's huge. And it's Yeah, I think it's, I think it's huge, and I think the way that the way the job and the labor market are evolving, this idea of like moving independently and with confidence into workplaces is extremely, extremely important. And the earlier that kids can start to develop those confidences and those and those competencies, like I think is is really, really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And and he emailed me back and said, Let's meet.
Oh, I'm so envious. He was the most beautiful man I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I know. He is very beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, I probably This didn't occur to me. Wow. I could I not. Didn't, I, 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 like, do you see my eyes watering? <laughs> like, honestly, I couldn't even sit across from him. Yeah, he's very beautiful. Yeah. He is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So we're meeting again. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you. Oh, look at him. Like, seriously. No, wait, seriously. Who like, is like it? oh my God. He's just this guy. This, um, he's a teacher. Fulbright. He's a, he's he's a secondary Fulbright. teacher, he's a, a Fulbright alum, and he's a part time yeah. professor at University of Amsterdam. Yeah. Doing yeah. doing affirmative studies. But oh, yeah. So I'm so, so glad. So this is going to be and jealous for you because he thought <laughs> I was you. <laughs> what? So yes. he emailed me yesterday to How, say, he, just to confirm. So we're like, back, like were you back at, so, I, so it was kind of hard to track down, but I figured out where he worked because I think he even said or something. I don't know how I figured that out. Maybe LinkedIn helped me. Would you help me with that? Yeah. Um, yeah. And keeping Jana current on the things. Yeah. Yes, okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> she didn't know about LinkedIn until you told her. Uh, yeah. Not so much. Yeah. I am on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah, but le- you really have to leverage it. Yeah. You can. It's it's powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Network. Yeah. Yeah. But you gotta make profile and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you can really like make yourself seem really important. You can, which I feel self-conscious about. I need help with that. Yeah, I, I, I know. Yeah, yeah. Back, back to David's imposter feelings. I, mm-hmm. I feel like an imposter on LinkedIn. But I think I used LinkedIn to find him, and then I emailed his school, and it just the info at with please forward to Zaudi. Smart. And they did, and then he got back to me. How did he think that you were me? So how did he even I know must who know you were? This. I must so, know. I know. I know. This is really. This is really great. So is it back and forth? Staring because you always go to the Amsterdam Library. No, just kidding. <laughs> we're meeting at the Amsterdam Library, and so I emailed him back. Said, so, "Well, I, I can find that. Must be a big place. Where? Seventh floor, but in front of the cafeteria. I hear that you also know Louise Elfers. Ah, yes. So I should tell you this. He knows my mentor. Right. And I meant to tell you this. Right. And you had... There you, you go. That's you told, it. Yeah, you <laughs> told, yeah, I thought it was because... You told me that she knew a lot of... You told you, me that she knew a lot of You have a husband, people. remember. Yeah. So <laughs> I, wasn't, um, I wasn't surprised. So I just emailed him back and said, um, yes, I've heard of her work through my friend and colleague, Celine. We're find her on LinkedIn. You find her on LinkedIn. No, I didn't. I didn't email your link. Nor did I CC you. I just. That's okay. Yeah, I, I didn't want to make a big deal of it. Yeah. Um, so, so she. Yeah, they know each other because she. So, this is really tangential. The, uh, we got so no. There's no plan, Janet? and it cut off, and you, your <laughs> your project didn't make it. We'll just see what happens. Whatever. Okay. I mean, and Nikki's gonna be here in ten, fifteen. You'll minutes. make a story. Cool. We'll find a story. Yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a story. <laughs> there. Although I do have, I do have, of course, have you, you got a, another question. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. But go so ahead. Yeah. We after that the panel that we saw, I think that kind of. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have been as shocked about, of about some of the things that we learned, but I felt very shocked, like about the Swanta Pete and it was a big um, week. Oh, yeah. It was like, a huge week for me. I, I and so I went to my mentor, who you you got, as you guys know is a huge advocate against this like early tracking, um, and is really coaching a lot of her master's students that she's mentoring. Um, to like unpack some of these really big ideas about like um, implicit biases in schools and this institutionalized racism that really like the Dutch are not talking Talking about. about. 
And so um, I, my hunch or my sense is that she's really on the forefront of kind of like waving a lot of these flags and being like, hello, 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 this is very important. And fortunately, um, she's not alone on that forefront, as you know, evidenced by that talk. And yeah, yeah the, and the, she, the but I, but I think as an academic, she has a lot of leverage. Um, I think academics generally in Europe like have a lot of, a lot of leverage. But um, so, for example, she wrote this book, and she said that it was on the prime minister was on TV, um, because there was like a press con or a conference about her book, which was about po like postponing tracking and, um, or postponed selection is the term. But she said he had the, <clears throat> he was holding up the book just like this on, on TV for like five minutes and he like forgot that he was holding it up. And she was like, it was the best PR that I could have <laughs> ever gotten. The like, guy was just like flailing the book around. Was he holding it up in agreement? Uh, kind of in a, we need to talk about this. Okay. So it, so he was shining positive light on yeah, the book. He wasn't yeah. saying this is trash. Like, and ruffled, yeah. No, no, no. It definitely <laughs> ruffled feathers because her big idea is that like the Dutch have this really um, fixed mindset about like the cognitive capacities mm -hmm. of kids in each of the mm -hmm. tracks. So there's a lot of there's, fixed mindset. So there's a lot Talk. of language about like well if you're if you're clever. Mm -hmm. Then you go to Feveo, but oh, he's not so clever. He really likes to work with his hands, you know. So right. he'll go to VMBO, and like there's this really fixed mindset that like kids are they like ascribe a profile, prescribe a profile to to kids, and what her data showed is that actually cognitively, like there's very like people perceive that it's. Oh, this is going to be hard to translate to the podcast, but it's like you start this level and then incrementally you go up, right? VMBO is down here and then incrementally you go up and you find HABEO. Ha, ha, yes. And then incrementally you go up and you find FEBEO, right? They've, it, like a ladder of intelligence. It's very, it's and very she's linear. Like, and she's like, that's not it at all. If you look at it, it's actually like st hmm. statistically kids are almost... Median intelligence IQ. with like some, you know, like standard bell curve, 15% within each being a little bit higher or lower. So her idea is very unraveling to the system because it's basically saying that like we are determining these um, like pathways for these kids based on our perception of their intellectual capacities at age 12. Oh, and let's be honest too, also based on their... Family, social yeah, stature, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, so on and so forth. And how here's people what I advocate for them. Right. So one of her, here's the story I wanted to tell you. Which, which also though happens in the states without the rigid track. saying it. Right. Oh. In a possibly right. less honest way. Uh, no. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I think we need to unpack it more. I'm not totally convinced that that's true. That it happens okay. in the U.S. To the ex, I feel like it's. We are, well, that's a different conversation. We, I, it does. Okay, no, but we need to have this conversation. I, I want to have this conversation. Maybe not for the podcast. Can we have it now? Well, can I tell you the one yeah. story? Yeah. So, like, this will, is, I found this really interesting. So, the idea of this idea of implicit bias and the, that teachers, so the, because the teacher recommendation is ultimately, like, what determines what a kid like, can do. Can do. do. Which um, school, which level which school, they will go to after the end of It's sixth really grade. like yeah. the CETO test plus the teacher recommendation. And so one of her, my mentor's master's students was doing a ton, he's trying to uncover implicit bias and like show that it exists. And so he's done like 
thousands of teacher interviews and he just has like crazy stories of teachers talking and they don't like there's just they they don't even know Mm -hmm. what they're saying and so Mm -hmm. there was a story of this teacher was saying this um a chinese girl Mm -hmm. saying well she's really qualified to go to feveo to go to the highest Highest level, level but you know she's really really shy in class and she doesn't really raise her hand and doesn't advocate for herself so we really think that maybe it's not best for her because she might not be able to find the help that she needs. And plus, in Asian, oh, this was really what the, where the stereotype came in. She was like, in Asian cultures, it's very uncommon for young girls to speak up. And in order to find success at Feveo, you really have to be independent and take charge of your own learning. I have had so many conversations yeah. with teachers yeah. like that about so, kids and their math ability. Yeah, so it's, there's just a... It's sh- really a way of thinking. Yeah, so this teacher just made a determination about this child's future based on a racial stereotype. Right. Um, and just, worth mentioning, she's a sixth grader. Like, this girl is in sixth grade. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's right. 12. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's, um, that's really, really, really common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and what... what what we have in what what I don't see happening is any dialogue about the fact that that or very much dialogue about the fact that that's happening. So until now, like it's just happening. Maybe now. it's just right, starting right. now. Yeah. And and I feel like in the U.S. we have a lot of dialogue. Yeah, let's go there. Okay. A a a, a, a lot of di- We have dialogue. Like, I listen to U.S. radio here, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we do talk about these things. We do talk about it. We talk about race. We talk about stereotype. We talk about bias. We've had Black Lives Matter. We have Trump. We had Obama. We talk about these things. I'm not sure that talking about them necessarily immediately makes them better, but talking about them helps some people do better. Agreed. It doesn't necessarily change the system, but talking about it sure helps me do better. And without all that talking about it and that awareness that I've gotten from my students, their families, people of color who told me about their experience, I would have all that implicit bias, probably, because that's what I learned from watching Popeye. Right. And, and uh, all kinds of other cartoons when I was a little kid that taught me about race, just like Dutch kids are learning about race through Spark to Pete. So unless we take that apart a little bit, and so I feel like we've done, we've, we've done some of that in the U.S., and it hasn't fixed things. But it's, an, yeah, the, the awareness is the first part. Yes. And I think, so here's an example where I think, so perhaps, like, I haven't gone down the rabbit hole of thinking, like, about, race and tracking in the U.S., but I think at least there's such an awareness that there there's active shifts at, the, at school and at district levels to address it. So for here's an example. There's a Fulbright teacher in Finland who, her name is Amy, who teaches at a school in Baltimore that's an IB school. And they were observing that for several years, the pop, like the pool of IB kids was like seven 
or 10% black. And that it was necessarily like excluding minority populations. Because um, it didn't match the surrounding population? Or because because yeah. it's disproportionately pers- white. It's the IB program was disproportionately white right. for the school. Right. right. Exactly. And the and the town. And the city. Because it's Baltimore. Because we're in Baltimore. Yeah. 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 And so their school made a decision to do IB for all. Mm-hmm. So you so it's like you don't apply for IB if you go here you are IB. And yeah. you have mm-hmm. and like you necessarily will take IB English starting freshman yeah. year, no matter what who you are. Mm-hmm. And and so I think I don't yeah, so that like raises the bar for everybody. Um, provides right? access for provides everyone. access and opportunity for everybody. Um, and so I think at least in the US things like that are like shifts like that are happening. Has anyone watched uh, America to Me, the Steve James documentary about uh, a town outside of Chicago and the high school there? Uh, this is a, a Oak Park River Forest High School. It's known to be very progressive. It's known to be very integrated, uh, especially in comparison to virtually anywhere else in the region and, you know, maybe by extension the U.S., uh, but this documentary, and I haven't actually seen it, it's a 10-part series on Showtime, and I think it might be freely available now, but it really sort of exposes the ongoing racial divides that uh, exist there. And, it, it, you know, I've talked to people, including former teachers from the town, who sort of take some issues with how it's all presented, but I also I think about uh, a high school in Chicago, Lincoln Park High School, that had the same issue with the IB program, and made some pronouncements about how they were going to basically eliminate tracking at the lower levels and there mm-hmm. would be and yet I think it hasn't it hasn't shifted in the in the way that you would that has eliminated um, differences racial differences in terms of who's ending up with these Abbey diplomas at the end and right. so on and so right. forth and so uh, I mean I I agree to I agree with this point that talking about it is positive and has positive outcomes, including in this case in this Baltimore school. But I think we have so we're so far from where we should be and where we need to be. And even in some of these areas where it looks kind of like strong progress is being made, it sometimes if you dig a little bit mm-hmm. beneath the surface there, there's there's still these entrenched uh, issues related to race and class and, mm-hmm. and on and on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, part of the reason I'm here is because two years ago I taught a class, seventh graders, whose 60% of their peers had been accelerated by a year. So they were grade level seventh graders. And they knew, and I knew, that they were the brown kids in the school. They were the special ed kids, they were the poor kids, and they were the brown kids. And um, I decided to teach them in the same way that I taught their highly capable peers. And it worked great. But not as well as I knew it could. Because I knew there were things for me to learn about opening up access for them even more. And so, as a teacher, I don't have control over the system in which Mm -hmm. I teach. 
but I have a lot of control over what I do every day for my kids. And so often the system convinces us that those kids who end up in the lower levels are less capable, and they are not. They are. Well, they have a chance of birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what do you mean? What is that? Well, I'm sorry. They well, have a chance at. They were. They happened to be born in Guam. Yeah. And or their parents were born in Guam and they emigrated to the U.S. and they don't have academic language being spoken at home. They speak different languages at home, they come to school and they have to code switch, their parents say, oh no, I don't understand the math you're learning because it's all in English and I don't speak English very well. That doesn't have anything to do with the mm. capacity of the child. That's a chance of birth. That's what I mean yeah, by yeah, chance yeah, of birth. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're not any less capable mathematically. Yeah. And when I teach them using really rich curriculum and lots of opportunities for problem solving and really thinking through things, yeah, they, they grow, step up. They grow so much. Of course, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know how I got there. Oh, just by you know, like we 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 had, and then and then in my next school, the one I taught at last fall, um, before I came here. So I moved from one teacher? school where I was par- <laughs> partially a PE teacher. Yeah. But also taught a math class, and the math class I taught was remedial. Partway through the fall, I thought I'm gonna just look at these. Like, who are these kids? You know what? You know what? What's their background? Uh, and I learned that like two thirds of them were Latino, and two thirds of my school is not Latino. Yeah. So you're you're. So yeah. something about their experience with school resulted in them being behind mathematically that had nothing to do with who they are. Yeah. It's just their experience with school. And so yeah. I feel like maybe those yeah. are some things that I can make a difference in in my classroom. Maybe there are some things I can do differently to support them better than I already do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, you're... Hmm. <laughs> well, I wonder... I wonder Back to the podcast. No. <laughs> about like uh, your concerns of social and economic injustice are like great but but then you're also talking about push, having everybody do the same curriculum no matter what and it's like I think the Dutch would say wouldn't they well but then that but then inevitably you're gonna end up with students who feel less than or worse than or you know um, so I th- I hear your concerns about race and economics. I think about my own school, I guess. So that's my own vision is like, well, it's primarily white, not exclusively, but primarily white. And and the issue is more, well, it's more an economic issue. It's more, uh, um, um, when a student can't kind of read at the level that other students can read, uh, then he feels, you know, dumb, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he feels, like he notices, and we grade all on the same scale, and See, I, I, don't know. I don't do that. How, how, how do you avoid it? Well, I teach math, and so maybe this is one reason I've landed in math, but um, 
uh, I have students. Uh, I have students do tasks that have a low floor and a high ceiling. Okay. So everyone can do it. But sure, it's still they, it's still a challenge, though, isn't it? it well, and then not, they, they can get. And then they can get. So That's then they can. So they, then they can all get A's. They can all well. So I also I also teach middle school. I don't teach high school. Yeah. So I have. I'm less. Uh, I don't. I, that's the, what you just said right now is why I don't want to teach high school. Grades don't matter in middle school. Well, go ahead. Well, go ahead. They sure matter in seventh grade in Chicago, where it's going to determine. Where they you don't. Go to high school, they do so. not matter in my town, so yeah, I'm not moving. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Amen. Well, this is our conversation that we, our ongoing conversation about why mastery-based education is better. It is better. No, I, I agree. Yes, <laughs> this is it. I mean, I, it, yeah. I that it has to be. Yes, because like you're given yeah. a you're given a standard. Yeah. You're given direct instruction, and then you're given multiple opportunities to show proficiency or mastery of the standard. Yeah. yeah. And and I organize my entire curriculum around one thing. Show that you know your answer makes sense. So for an entire year, they learn one thing. And no matter what their answer is, if they can show they know for themselves that their answer makes sense, then I guess they get an A. Yeah. So, but they have so many different problems to choose. Like they can choose the problem that they'll that they will for which they'll demonstrate. Like within a unit, so there's a unit. It's all about ratios. They have seven problems that they've worked on. Choose the one. And show me you know your answer makes sense. And if they can show me they know for themselves that their answer makes sense, they have an A. And then I do all kinds of tricks like the footprint stamp, never a number on a paper. I mean, I just bury those numbers. Yeah. I have to enter them because according to the state, unless I put numbers in the database, I'm not even at work. <laughs> I've been told that. Yeah. <laughs> Your child doesn't exist. Yeah. And and those are valuable feedback for families that kids are doing work. Yeah. Yeah. But so I don't, you know. But I, you have to be really creative. But with the system, David, it seemed like that you were sort of getting at this idea that, which, you know, I think we've all heard quite a bit about here that that. Um, there's less um, judgment on, or, or at least there's this sort of belief that there's less, and I think there's something to this, that there's less judgment on the pathway that a child takes in, in Holland yeah. than there is in most contexts in the U.S. where the kind of academic uh, route that, uh, you know, kind of represented here by the highest level of secondary school or the pre-university level of secondary yeah. school is um, is good and other routes are not Are good. not good. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. Because I do, I do feel like here there is an honor of the... Uh, uh, within each system. Like, like a student can be great. Um, can be great within a, a HAVO or a... Uh, right. What? How do kids feel about? Well, well and I think the other, yeah, the, well, that could be used well, as a as a as a curtain over these sort of systemic injustices that are happening. Well, that's what I mean. Right. Is like that's why I was saying what I'm saying. Like, yeah, your observations on race and socioeconomic are really smart, and I think 
quite accurate. Uh, so that needs to be paid attention to because if the because if it's being divided by race or then that that is not good, of course. But it, it, in a situation where well we're leveling and then within this level a student has the ability to be his best self without the shame of saying I want to be a, a plane mechanic which in my school might be like well we're we're really trying to push everybody to college or university um it would be funny to share some anecdotes about like what is what we think is ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe we should do it off of the podcast. No, no. Like what I we like think it. is ridiculous or like hilarious or extremely unique about like interacting with Dutch people. Can so, I, could, can I please take your coat and would you like a cup of tea? I love it. But, but I'm always having you, to move my keys into my backpack. Would you like? Because I don't know where my coat is going. Because they're yeah. constantly asking <laughs> if you could uh, have a cup of tea. Cup of love tea. Yeah, or coffee. How many? I've, I'm going to need to wean myself off of coffee. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh. yeah, I've never been a three in the afternoon coffee person, but now I am. I'm like a 7 p.m. coffee drinker now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you, went, you went overboard uh, making an appointment. Appointments. Appointments. With the bank? Oh. Appointments. Oh, just lots of yeah. Well, but just I have I haven't recognized I drink a lot of coffee at home though, so that's yeah. <laughs> but I but coffee at every uh, school, that's for sure, and you don't have to pay for it at our school. You gotta well maybe they do. I think maybe a couple euro comes out of their paycheck, like a euro or two comes so out of their like pay. collective coffee. Their paycheck. So like, yeah. yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, any visitor, I've always been offered free coffee. That's for sure. No, I don't they know. They wave their card for you in the front of their machine. Yeah, well, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for for me, it's just I, the well, the bikes, the bikes, and the, and now I can tell I'm getting a little, I'm growing in my skills, comfort, in my skills, skills here oh, because God. I'm getting upset at people when they don't do what <laughs> when they don't dash in front of the bus. What they're, they're supposed to do? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come on, let's go. Well, there was a woman I and I actually did very softly bump her but what's that she slowed down suddenly yeah she hand. was of course listening to her headset which i listen to my headset on the bike too so it's, Ooh, that's that's a good idea that's so well, i don't do that yeah but yeah. <laughs> but uh she sense. was as well she was walking across the bike path and i'm you know cruising or whatever but she's and a pedestrian she's a pedestrian you hit a pedestrian oh, <laughs> Softly. James, oh my God. <laughs> wow. Softly. No, she's walking across, and it's like I see she's not paying attention. So okay, so I'm, I'm gonna hit her. <laughs> <laughs> so I judge it. So I make the judgment that by the time she's, you know, by the time I get to her, if she keeps moving, I'll actually pass on the left, like behind her. Because that'll work out right. fine. These are the kind of things that you're you're constantly sort of implicitly calculating, calculating while you're yeah. yeah totally calculating. Yeah. Like if she just keeps going at her pace, I'll just sort of like go, which is not the correct direction. You right because usually you just stay to your right. But I I'm like well she can keep walking. I'll go to the left. It's no problem. But at the very last second, she sees Realizes. she's in the bike path, <laughs> sort of stops looks and sure enough I'm there and I, I sort of 
pump the brakes, thank God I have handbrakes instead <laughs> oh, of... Oh, God, my pedal oh. brakes? I would have been yeah. like, dude, you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm smashing right into your and, and I And then I, like, truly, it was kind of like a, it was like a, by the time we came <laughs> face to face, we were just like, oh. <laughs> it was like a soft tap. But yeah, the biking is still, still, it was when I, when, when the we best, moved here. Well, different part. If different. that's the question, if that, if the question is like What's weird cultural... Things it's like it was in late December and it is now. It's like man, the bike culture and like awareness and infrastructure and like everything about the bikes. It's it. it's uh, just so vastly different than than home to me. And that's so. what I think um, that I'll miss. Like when I get up in the morning and I know I, like and I bike and it's a nice day. I feel so much joy. Like yeah. being in the mix, like in, in yeah. the, you just feel like you're part of the beat of everything. Like that is what I think I will really miss. But will before the girls roll in, what's uh, what's how about you? What's well, I, th- you- I think um, I mean I think it's similar in Scandinavia, but I think it's it's rare in places that I've been to in the world that um, people are so bilingual and so non-judgmental about other people's. Uh, ability to speak the local language so yeah. I just think yeah. Yeah. I've never really felt like somebody um, thought I was less than them because I didn't speak Dutch even though we're in the Netherlands and yeah. I think yeah. like genuinely accommodating yes exactly exactly yeah and I think people in that way are extremely kind and I think in other ways as well but yeah. but I you know I, I just feel very grateful that here's this country not that small of a country uh, that is willing to, you know, uh, welcome somebody like me who and, is and more or less monolingual. <laughs> and, uh, and actually entertain and, our questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, I and mean... And openly uh, invite us yeah, into yeah. their worlds. Right, right. Absolutely. With a lot of curiosity. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm talking over you, but... No. No problem. Is that what you wanted to say? What I said? (laughs) (laughs) I I agree. Uh, So, well, Will, Jenna, Celine, thank you. Uh, It's, you know, we're we're losing Celine, actually, uh, in just a few days. So, anyway, it's been nice. Thanks for this. Yeah, I I also just want to make the point, I think that, like, collectively, (laughs) we are... Doing all these totally distinct things that it, that are really uh, like as a whole make up a huge part of like the schooling system. You know, with like Celine looking into designing a whole new school, Jenna looking at math classroom instruction, you doing this awesome podcast thing to build empathy, and I'm sort of looking at teacher professionalization and development and so on. So I think we have this awesome uh, wide lens on the school system here, yeah. and I'm sure if these guys ever get in, that, you know, we're going to hopefully bring that back and do a lot in the U.S. with it, so. I agree, this team, I agree, this team has been great, and yeah, the end. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Share Share Podcast. Be sure to check out any episodes you may have missed, and stay tuned for new ones.